John chapter 8 and verse number 36 is going to be my focus this morning. And the scripture said, Jesus speaking, if you have a Bible with red lettering, it is in red. And Jesus makes this profound statement. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Amen. If the Son, if your freedom comes through the Lord Jesus Christ, you are free indeed. Amen. And I want to turn one more place to the book of Romans, the 8th chapter. I love the book of Romans. I love the 8th chapter especially because it, it begins like this. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Verse number 2. For the law of the Spirit of life. I love that phrase. For the law of the Spirit of Christ. For the law of the Spirit of life. I'm sorry. In Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit of life. Amen. I, that's a sermon in itself. The law of the spirit of life. I'm thankful that I know that life this morning. And everybody said amen. I want to talk to you for a little while this morning about a precious possession. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Someone uh, made the remark, and I don't know who it is actually attributed to, but they made the statement that if if you were put on trial uh, for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? If you were put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? I thought about that statement this morning in reference to our freedom in America and what we heard saying about a while ago. If you were put on trial for being an American, would there be enough evidence to convict you? I read somewhere that John Jay, who was actually the father of our Supreme Court, believed that it was essential that all of our leaders in America should be of the Christian influence, that we would be governed better and wiser, and we would be a better nation if all our leaders were Christians. It was he who believed, as Brother Jay mentioned, that all legislature should be indoctrinated with some order of theology, that they, had, they needed to understand something about God and about the Word of God. And so our country was founded. We have drifted far away from that this morning. We are living now in what historians call a revisionist age. We are living in a time where history is being rewritten according to the new moral code of our day. 
We are living in a time when we are going back and revisiting the early fathers and their writings and we are saying, well, I don't think he meant that. And, and we are seeing the erosion of our liberties and of the foundation upon which America was established. It is being eroded day by day, moment by moment, legislature passage by legislature passage. We are moving incrementally away from the foundation that our forefathers put down for this country to be based upon and that was that God, John Jay said that he believed that every person who served in leadership must believe in God and in the manifestation of God through his son or through that office of sonship as we understand. He said that is essential for our nation to survive. I dare say today that nobody would get by with even asserting that in any Congress, anywhere, in any state in America right now without being censored. As a matter of fact, if some were to hear me this morning, they would consider, consider me bigoted and narrow-minded. But bigoted and narrow-minded that I am, I am here today to tell you that we are a nation that was based upon and founded upon the principles of the Word of God. And when we get away from that, we are in danger. I want to ask you a question this morning. What does freedom mean to you? What does freedom mean to you? What, if I were to go out, and I, I might just do that, take a little survey. Some of you are getting nervous right now because you don't even have a clue what you're going to say. But I want to ask some of you, what does freedom mean to you? What does it mean to be free? To be able to work without restraint or to come and do what we're doing this morning without fear of, uh, of somebody uh, putting uh, a stop to this. What does it mean to you to be free to wake up in the morning and, and know that you've, you've got the prospects of an income and, and, and as, as, as crazy as our government is, it's still... Uh, pretty pretty solid in in most ways and 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 most of you are going to get a paycheck this week without having to fear that what what does it mean to you to be free young man what does it mean to you young lady what what does it mean mom dad what what do you think about when you think about freedom now if i were to ask some veterans here this morning i I have an idea that they would reflect upon things that they've been through to bring us to where we are. Brother uh, Travis served time in Iraq and saw some of the ugliness of war. My father-in-law in World War II. And there are other of our men who served uh, Vietnam, Brother Gibson and others that were in, an, in, in the ugliness of war and the effects that that had upon them and how they view America and how they view their own personal freedom. It, it would be, you could not listen to them speak without knowing that 
there's, there's a richness to what they're saying. But how long has it been since you've really thought about what it means to be free? Now, <clears throat> let me clear the air for some of you this morning and perhaps for more than just some of us. But there's a lot of things about freedom that we have interpreted it to mean that it does not mean. Freedom is not what some of us think it is. The fact that we are allowed to come here today without fear of retaliation is certainly a gift that we should not take for granted. And little do we realize how fragile that is, how little we cherish that fundamental gift that we have this morning, the freedom that we have enjoyed so far. But Listen to me, and you, you probably know this, but freedom is not free. It is not without its cost. It is not without its price. Though it is being undermined every day, all of us here today must recognize the importance of our freedom. And maybe until you've been enslaved or, or, or in a situation where you see enslavement, maybe you cannot truly appreciate freedom. Most of us, I, I don't think any of us, maybe some, I guess I better be careful, but uh, have ever been incarcerated, put in jail, locked up behind bars. Maybe there's a, a few that might have, but I don't know of, uh, of too many that have had to go through that experience. I've never had to. I've never had to look out from behind bars, so I, I don't know that I can identify with with that person who has been there and then has been let free. I've never had chains around my ankles. I've never been shackled to a place and and restricted. I've never begged for food. I've never had to beg for water. I've never been beaten until I was left for dead. I've, I've never been through that, but I... I do sense in my spirit an understanding of freedom. Freedom is like truth. It is is, uh, thrilling in, in in its speaking and it's thrilling in its consideration. It, it is an, it's an idea and it is a, an experience that is greatly beloved by all of us, the freedom to do what we do. And we praise it. We sing about it. We sang about it this morning. But what we call freedom many times is not freedom. When we think of freedom, most people think about the external aspect of it. We think that uh, we're not slaves or we, we don't have shackles or we're not behind bars and so we are free, but that is not true freedom. There are people who come into New York Harbor and there is still in that harbor a lady called Lady Liberty. And if you read the, the, the inscription on the mantle that is there, you will read that it says, Give me your poor, your tired, your huddle masses, longing to be free. And she welcomes them to our shores but i can tell you this morning that a person can they can they can come into that harbor and they can read that inscription and still not know freedom because they can be bound by 
internal things. They can be bound by hatred or bitterness or anger or strife. So external freedom is not what I am talking about. It is an internal freedom. It is, this, it is something that goes on in the spirit of a man and in the soul of a man. Freedom is not a license for me to enjoy life without restraint. That is not freedom, though that is how it is being passed off in our day. Any living creature that you put outside of its natural environment will die. Now you may think that you have freed that thing, but you have only put it in a death trap. A fish can be taken out of water and somebody say, I liberated the fish. I, I've made the fish free, but that fish cannot live outside that water because that water is its natural environment. And so somebody might love the fact I've liberated all the fish in the world and take them out of the sea, but they're not liberated. They're going to die because they're outside that natural environment. And so it is with man. Man was created in the image of God. God breathed into man the breath of life and he became a living soul. He became a living soul. And as long as man lived within that environment, he was okay. But as soon as man, as Satan, Lucifer, the serpent, came and convinced Eve, you, you know what, you need to be free. You, you, you're bound. You, you're, you're restricted. You, you have too many rules on your life. And you know the truth is they only had one rule. Can you get this? They only had one rule and they still broke it. So it doesn't matter if there's one rule or 10,000 rules. It's within man to break the rule. And so Lucifer talks to Eve and, and convinces her that you, you, you just, you're not free, woman. You need to be free. Now, if you'll just do this, you'll be free. You'll be like God. And so Eve partook and then persuaded Adam and they together the Bible said their eyes were opened and they realized that they were naked and they were suddenly ashamed of something that only moments before they had been unconscious of. Now they're outside that environment and something happens. They die. They weren't made better by that. They died. They died a spiritual death. And eventually they died a physical death. And so freedom can only be enjoyed in the atmosphere in which it was created. Amen. Now freedom, when we talk about freedom, we are not talking about freedom from hardships. We're, when, we, when, when the scripture says that he that the Son hath set free is free indeed, does not mean that you and I are going to be free from hardship. We're not going to be free from trouble. There's a lot of people who are confused. That, that, you know, I, I, you know I, I didn't seem to have any of these troubles until I came and gave my heart to God. And now I have all kinds of problems. Freedom does not have to do with you not having any more trouble in your life. The Bible said that in this world you shall have tribulation. The scripture says that man, he is born as the sparks fly upward, he is born to trouble. That it's just part of life. So freedom is not freedom from hardship. 
And it's certainly not freedom from suffering. The one who spoke these words suffered before and he suffered greatly afterward. He was crucified on a cross and yet he was the freest of all men. So freedom doesn't mean that I'm free from suffering, that I won't hurt, that I won't be hurt, that I won't be disappointed, that I won't be let down, that I won't be lied on or lied to. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to go through life and have a few tears. It doesn't mean that. Freedom does not mean that I am going to be uh, loose from trials that I'm, I, I will, I, I'm never gonna be tested again. That he that the son that set free is free indeed. I, I'm not ever gonna have to go through any more trials in my life. That's just not going to happen. That's not what he meant. You're gonna have trials. The trials are good for us. They're, they're, they're how we grow. They're how we enlarge our life. It's how we get better. You don't get better when things, when you're sitting around eating bluebell ice cream all the time. You might think you are, but you're not getting better. You're clogging up those arteries. and You're not free because you don't have trials. Trials are good for us. Amen. Some of you need to realize that and quit whining and crying about your trials. Why is God putting me through? Because it's good for me to go. The psalmist David said it was good for me that I went through this trouble. It was good for me that, why? Because out of this I have been able to stand up against the enemy of my soul. Out of this I have been able to face a situation and not let it bring me down. Out of this I have been able to rise up a better man. I have more compassion. I have more understanding. I have more knowledge. I'm more, I'm more t- tender, sensitive. I'm not hard and brittle. Out of that trial comes great blessing. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, quit whining. Amen. Quit whining. Praise God. You're not free from trial. And you're not going to be free from temptation. You know, this is what causes a lot of people to stumble that's, that begin living for God. They, Brother Hughes, I thought if I, when, I, when I gave my life to God, I thought He would take care of temptation. I would never have to be tempted again. That's not what He's talking about. He's not talking about temp, freedom from temptation. There are at least eight occasions in the New Testament where Jesus was tempted. Some of you thought he was only tempted in the wilderness, but that's not true. Read your Bible. He was tempted by scribes and Pharisees. He was tempted by evil men. He was tempted by his own disciples to turn away from his plan. Peter said, forbid these things from being. When Jesus was telling him what was going to happen, he said, oh no, forbid this from happening. And Jesus said, you don't even know what kind of spirit you're of. He was tempted at least eight occasions are mentioned in Scripture where he suffered temptation. The greatest temptation of all was at Calvary. And it was not to call, you know, vengeance on these people. Some people think that that was the greatest temptation that Jesus battled at Calvary was restraining the power that was within him from zapping all those morons down there that were crucifying him. 
That wasn't his greatest temptation. The greatest temptation was while he was alone in the garden and he was wrestling with his own humanity and he was saying, Oh, God, I don't want to drink that cup. Oh, God, God, is there any way possible? Let this cup pass from me. Three times he had to come back and he prayed the same prayer. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to drink this cup. And finally, after that third time, evidently there was a victory wrought because he was willing to take the cup that had been given him. And he stood up and said, come on, mine hour has come. The hour is now. Let's go. Let's rise up and be gone. It's time for us to get on with this. It's time for us to move forward. Somehow he understood that temptation and trial, the greatest temptation that any one of us will ever face is the temptation to quit. Oh, some of us are tempted more to anger. And so we'd like to zap them. We'd like to fry their hair and, and, and singe the, their, uh, their scalp. We, we, we'd like to breathe fire on them. Anybody not ever been there before? Just, just like to. <sighs> yeah. But that's not the greatest temptation you're ever going to battle. It's not that get back spirit. It's not that get even spirit. The greatest temptation that any of us will ever face is the temptation to just give up. Quit. Throw in the towel. Give it up. Walk away. Say, I can't do this anymore, Brother Hughes. I, I just can't stand it. I can't face it. That's the greatest temptation. And Jesus wrestled that demon down to the ground. He said, I'm not quitting now. I've come too far to turn back. Amen. I'm going all the way through. You know what? Some of us need to settle that in our mind this morning. You know what? I'm going all the way through. Amen. I don't care what comes against me. I don't care what kind of temptations come against me. Our greatest testimony is not that we were exempt from temptation, but that we faced temptation and we came out victorious. That is our greatest testimony. It's not that God said, okay, I'm not going to make you go through that. He said, oh, come on, you can do it and let you go through it and you go through it and you come out of it and you're still here. You still have hands that you can raise. The devil thought he had you a long time ago. He thought he had your number a long time ago, but here you are with your hands lifted up hallelujah thank you lord that you've kept me i didn't quit i didn't go back i didn't give up i didn't turn around am i talking to somebody this morning that's on the verge of quitting am i talking to somebody this morning that's on the verge of quitting you thought you were supposed to be free from that temptation brother use i don't understand why i battled giving up more over the last few months than I have any time in my life, I've battled more this spirit of quitting over the last few months than I've ever in my whole life. Amen. You're not going to be free from that temptation. But you can face it. You can drink that cup. Amen. I said you can drink that cup. As bitter as it may be, there's victory on the other side of that cup. 
Amen. There's victory on the other side. Just drink it. Amen. I said drink it. Say, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. If you think this is going to make me better, make me better. If this is going to take me where I need to go, let me drink it down. If this is going to help me be a stronger person, let me drink it down. If this is going to help me be a better mother or a better father or a better leader or a better person, let me drink it down, God. Whatever you have planned, whatever you have willed, not my will, but thy will be. Come on, let's lift our hands to Him right now. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, God, somewhere in this building today, somebody's wrestling with a temptation, Lord, and with a, with, with a, a struggle in their spiritual life. And they have been tempted to quit. Oh, God, let them drink it. So we're not free from temptation. We're certainly not free from the laws of the universe. I don't care how much you talk in tongues, the law of gravity still works. I don't care how much you pray, the law of gravity still is in effect. I don't care how spiritual you are. I don't care how much you read your Bible. If you walk off the top of a 10-story building, you're going to die. And you can be quoting Scripture all the way down. You won't have much to quote, but you can quote it all the way down. But you're going to be a splat when it's all over. Because you don't have freedom from that. That's not the freedom that he's talking about. He's not talking about freedom from the laws of life. Amen. There's a lot of spiritual people that do some really dumb things. They do. They defy the law. They think they're impervious to it. They think, well, I can do this because I'm a child of God. No, you can't. You, well, you can, but you're going to suffer for it. You're not free from that law. You are free from the law of sin and death. This is what we're free from. Number one, we are free from the fear of past failures. That when you become a child of God, when you are born again of water and of the Spirit, when you become connected to Jesus Christ... Whatever happened yesterday, whatever the failures of yesterday, whatever the shortcomings of yesterday, you don't have to be haunted by those things any longer. You are free from those things. You, you are free from their oppression. You are free from their demands upon your life because they no longer have the power over you. You are free from the fear of yesterday. That's what you're free from. You're free from the fear of those failures. And there's things in all of our lives that we don't want anybody to know about. But when we bring those things to God and we lay them before Him and we repent of those things and we make them right before Him, the Bible said He puts them behind His back. Now you figure this out. If God is everywhere at all times, where is His back? If God puts them behind His back... I don't even know where that place is. That's why it's so ridiculous for you to, if you have repented of your sin, if you have asked God to forgive you of your failure, it is ridiculous for you to allow the devil to continue to torment you and lie to you and tell you something that's not true. He can't find them because God can't find them.
They're gone. They're in the sea of God's forgetfulness. You know what's amazing? And I've said this before. We have plumbed the reaches of our universe. We've, we've got satellites and we've got telescopes out there that reach out beyond our Milky Way. Now, I'm not real smart, but our Milky Way is bigger than the one you buy at grocery store. It's, it's a, it, it takes years to get from one star. I mean, light years to get. We probed all of that out there, but do you know that to this day we have yet to probe the depth of the sea? We still don't know what all is down there in that blackness. I do. There's some things down there God said are never going to be brought back. He said, I'm going to put them in my sea of forgetfulness. I'm going to cover them. I'm going to put them down where nobody can get to them and nobody's going to be able to probe them. Nobody's going to be able to drag them back out. Listen to me, folks. That's what we're free from. We are free from the tyranny of the past, the failures, the mistakes. No, we still have to pay for some things that we've done in the past. That's true. But we're not having to pay in the way that we would have paid, for sure. But we're not paying, really, when you realize that there's a forgiveness that has come that has has removed that from my record. Figure that one out. I am free from the past. I am free from the fear and the uncertainty of the unknown and the future. How could I enjoy peace if I only knew my past was forgiven but my future was uncertain? How How could I sing and how could I lay my head down on my pillow at night and go to bed and not be afraid of tomorrow or what if I don't wake up I won't I'm not afraid of what happens next because he has taken care of that he has gone into my future and he's already prepared a place for me amen he's gone into that unknown of tomorrow and he's already ordered my steps he's ordered That's what the Bible said. The steps of a good man or a good woman are ordered of the Lord. So he has gone. He came into our life to give us life. And that more abundant is what the scripture says. But how how could you enjoy abundant life if you were uncertain of the future? You can't. And so he frees us from the apprehension of the future and he frees us from the worry of the present. How are we going to get by? How are we going to face these times? How are we going to deal with all of the uncertainties? Well, Jesus told some men one day, consider the lilies. They neither spin nor sow. But my father knows everything that's going on. He said, there's not even one sparrow that falls to the ground. Now, he didn't say an eagle or a hawk or a mockingbird or hummingbird. He said a sparrow. A sparrow is just as degraded today as it was back then. Nobody thinks about a sparrow. But he said, there's not one sparrow that falls to the ground that, you don't, that I don't already know about. As a matter of fact, there's not even one hair that falls out of your head that I'm not aware of. And you can't add a statue 
you can't add an inch to your stature and 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 your I love it. He said the hairs of your head are numbered. Now that's a meticulous God that would do that. And then have to keep up with all of them that are going south. <laughs> that are abandoning ship. And yet he said, I've done that for those things. I've done that for my creation. Now, if I would do that for my creation, how much more would I do for you? And then he makes this statement in that 12th chapter of Luke. He said, it is your father's, or Matthew, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God wants to help me. He, he wants to help me in my present situation. There is more stress right now in America than there has ever been, I think, probably in recorded history. We live under the most stressful times. And yet Jesus said to us in this day, take no thought of tomorrow. Take no thought. Now, what does he mean by that? I mean, am I just supposed to be like an airhead? I mean, just, just careless? No, absolutely not. He said, don't worry about tomorrow because I've already taken, I've already prepared for tomorrow. What I want you to do is learn how to walk with me and learn how to trust me and learn how to live for me. And if you'll do that, I will take care of you. There's a lot of things to worry us today. A lot of things to stress our life out. But I found an antidote to all that. When I walk with God, He brings peace into my life. When I talk with God, He brings peace into my soul. When I listen to God, He gives direction for my life. Amen. When I walk with God, when I trust Him, God, I don't know how it's going to work out, but I'm not in the how business this morning. Amen. I'm not in the how business. I'm in the who business. You are my Lord. You're my light and my salvation. Think about that. He said, you are my light. You are my light and my salvation. I think there's an interesting story there. First of all, light comes before anything else comes. Understanding comes first. Revelation comes. And once understanding and revelation come, then salvation comes. Then once you have the light turned on and you can see where you're at and you know what's wrong, you can get an understanding of what's happening, then you have an, a way to get out of that, and that's salvation. So light comes. He said, you are my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my light. He is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies, come upon me, they stumble and fell. Why? Because the Lord is my light and He is my salvation. Amen. When you need it, that light's going to shine in your life and you're going to see this is the way I need to go. This is what I need to do. This is how I need to act. This is what I need to say. And out of that revelation, out of that light comes salvation. You are free. No wonder he would say, whom shall I fear? 
And he concludes by making the audacious statement in Romans. If God be for me, who can be against me? Whew. Come on, let's stand on that one right there. I, I need to. Uh, if God be for me, who can be against me? It doesn't matter if it's a temptation, if it's a trial, if it's suffering, if it's a hardship. It doesn't matter what it is that I'm facing. He has brought freedom into my life. I'm not bound. I'm not afraid of yesterday. I'm not tormented of yesterday. In Him, I'm not afraid of tomorrow. In Him, I'm not anxious about today. Because I've learned that He's enough. Amen. He's enough. He's going to keep me. He's going to overshadow me. Reach over to somebody and take them by the hand and let's pray together. Father, right now, I pray that you would minister in this sanctuary.